Welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and each week on this podcast, I talk to some of the most fascinating people on the planet in all areas of life, from mindset to fitness to spirituality, and of course, business. Look, I believe you deserve success in all the areas of your life, not only business. But before we get into today's show, you may want to join us on our next Work Hard, Play Hard experience. This year, we're going to be going to Mykonos and Marrakesh. In these experiences, I have hand-selected a group of high-performing business people who are seeking more balance, connection, and they want to celebrate their wins as a reward for the hard work that they put in. If you want someone to curate once-in-a-lifetime experiences and force you to play more, rush over to workhardplayhardexperience.com. Fill out an application so we can jump on a discovery call to see if this is a good fit for you. And remember, excuses are over. It's time to live. Even the skin around your eyes is sensitive to the different lighting conditions and is a signal. And it was recording how much sunlight that you're getting so that you can reverse the damage of the sun with melatonin. Animals evolved here on this planet under these conditions where there's a 24-hour cycle, half is day and half is night. So all life that exists here was really created in that system. And, and understanding or trying to cut ourselves off from that is really dangerous. Once you understand what vitamin D does in your body, you'll want to test yourself frequently. It's the most important test. I don't care about my cholesterol level if I don't know my vitamin D. I'm not interested. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. Today, we're stepping a bit more into the anti-aging series, and we're going to have a chat with Dr. Gould. Dr. Gould is a dentist by trade, but is becoming one of the world's authorities on vitamin D, probiotics, and sleep. And we went super deep on vitamin D, and we discussed how I'm probably not getting enough uh, because I'm covering myself with sunscreen. Speaking of, we talked a lot about assumptions. How much sunscreen should you get? How much vitamin D? should you get? Should you take sulfur? How often should you eat? How, is the sun really bad for you? Uh, just all of these different areas, we took a deep, deep vertical dive in challenging what we've been told. I think you're going to love this episode. So I'm going to let Dr. Gould take it from here. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Gould. Dr. Gould, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. You know what, man? I am super excited to have you on the show today because we are in some unprecedented times and people are struggling with a lot of issues that I think you can help them with, like sleep and all sorts of other things that you do as well, gut health, et cetera, which we're gonna dig into. So I wanted to officially say thank you and welcome to the show. Thank you. All right, so what I'd like to do is rewind the clock back to when you were 14 years old, living in Winnipeg, Canada. Remember that time? I sure do. <laughs> and you know, by the way, just as a as an aside, um, in doing my research on you, I realized that we could have done, we could have probably walked to each other to do this interview because I live in Hermosa Beach, 
And I had dinner the other night at where I believe your office is probably pretty close to, and that's Tin Roof. Is that, do I get that right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a stone's throw away. Very close. Which is so bizarre. Um, But, you know, here we are. And ironically, I had dinner with somebody from Canada too. So there's a lot of Canada happening uh, right now. When you were 14, you were diagnosed with Crohn's and maybe perhaps you can set the scene in what ways that diagnosis impacted you and perhaps how that changed the trajectory of your life. Sure. Well, and this is especially important to any any parents out there with, with kids. So at the age of 14, I started to have just really strong symptoms of gastrointestinal pain, pain on the lower right, right quadrant, and just uncontrollable uncontroll, diarrhea. Now, being 14 is hard enough, but I was already a fat kid. And now I had diarrhea, uncontrollable. And, and you know, um, these, this is not really a good recipe for, for self-confidence. But in those days, you know, in the Canadian healthcare system, which is a good system, or, or I believe that it was, um, I was brought to different doctors who were trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And in those days, the tests were very, um, they were tough. They were, you know, barium swallows and enemas really hard for anyone to go through that at any age, but it's hard at the age of 14. And um, for many, many months, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me, even to the point where doctors suggested it was psychological and maybe that I was making this up. Um, You know, I was afraid to leave the house because I I had to walk to school and never mind that it was 40 below where I walked to school, but I'd be afraid I wouldn't make it to school. And so ultimately, when a new test came out called colonoscopy, this was newer technology, they were able to see that I actually had scarring on my colon. And it was the classic presentation of Crohn's disease. And um, the treatment was exactly the same as it is now, um, 34 years later. And that was um, prednisone, and which is a, a steroid. And so basically, I started taking prednisone at the age of 14, which really kind of destroyed any normal childhood that I had. Now, I was also very small. I had not gone through puberty yet, which will bring us to the sleep components. So anyone who has Crohn's disease, this is a whole syndrome. And you know, I describe it in my book, The Modern Epidemic. And the basis for this is really comes down to vitamin D deficiency. And um, unfortunately, the prednisone, which is the treatment, will also lower your vitamin D. So um, prednisone and steroids made me artificially healthy. It healed my colon. And over the next 34 years, I tried almost every single uh, inflammatory bowel disease medication. Um, And, you know, they all come with varying degrees of side effects. And you've heard them, you know, on those, those pharmaceutical commercials. What's so fascinating about those commercials, those are all warnings for low vitamin D. Tell your doctor if you have tuberculosis. You know, in the old days before antibiotics, was available, and that was the late, late 30s, early 1940s, there was a massive epidemic of tuberculosis. This was called consumption. And this is a bacterial skin or lung infection. And the cure prior to antibiotics was to go to a sanatorium, which was a hospital setting where the treatment was to lie in the sun. And so this was how this disease was treated and managed. And this was massive epidemics all throughout Northern Europe. And even in the U.S., because this is, you know, there was no antibiotics. So um, all of those th- descriptions they say about, you know, tell your doctor if you have these different things. If you tell your doctor you've been to areas where certain fungal infections are common. Why is that important? Well, when you're immunocompromised, you're going to be um, more susceptible to every type of illness. And they say, you know, don't, don't take if you have an infection. 
all this really weird stuff. You know, so we're in this situation now where if you have a child who's at the same age, probably going to be diagnosed and given the same medications. And, you know, um, the, the basic understanding is that medicine isn't looking at our bodies the right way because it, the entire medical paradigm has been skewed by the pharmaceutical industry into making us believe that, you know, we have a breakdown in our body and we need, we need a medication. And it's actually medication to hide the symptoms of the breakdown. It's not addressing the root cause. Why was I heavy as a child? Um, why did I not go into puberty at age of 14? And why was I diagnosed with Crohn's disease? And it's the whole syndrome, which I'll be happy to sort of explain in a, a you know, 30,000 foot view, just an overview of what I'm even talking about, if it's confusing. Let me jump in for a second here. There's a couple of things that you said I want to get some clarity on if I can. The first one is the idea of sunlight. Are you familiar with uh, Dr. Huberman's work? He's a... Yeah, okay. So one of the things that I heard him say recently is in the morning, try and let the uh, sunlight hit your eyes. Um, that'll send a message to the brain because apparently these, uh, these, these, these two eyeballs we have between our nose is uh, part, of, uh, part of our brain, which he taught me, I didn't know. And then 16 hours later, you're cued to go to sleep. So clearly with the work that you're doing, the work that he's doing, uh, there, there, it's indisputable that sunlight is, is, uh, is, a, is a great prescription. Are, are we essentially healthier because of where you and I live in Hermosa and Manhattan Beach uh, versus somebody living in, you know, Anchorage, Alaska? And, and if that's the case, how are they going to increase that based on their geographic surroundings? That's a very loaded question. The answer is both yes and no. So in theory, just living in a sunny climate is going to be healthier. Most of my patients... Um, well, you, you know that the area that we live in is the South Bay. It's very, very health-oriented. People are really interested in fitness. And all of my patients, I've been here for 20 years, and I love my patients. I've learned everything in my life through them. And every one of them is trying hard to stay fit and healthy. And they are following these rules and regulations that they piece together over many years of media, doctor's advice, magazine articles, and all the different ways we take in sensory information. So people who live here who are following specific ideologies are absolutely healthier. But many people here, even though we live in Southern California, are not being affected in the same way because they are sun phobic. They wear sunscreen, a high level of sunscreen. They avoid the sun between 10 and 3. They stay out, out of the sun. There's, there's lots of different things. There's also the different diets that you eat can, that can profoundly affect your ability to convert vitamin D to the active form. And so... People who live in sunny climates, and I'll give you a perfect example, is the blue zones. The blue zones are areas where people are supposed to be healthier. What is it that makes those areas healthy? They're almost always sunny places. So people who live in sunny climates are absolutely healthier unless they're specifically doing things that are going to affect their health. Eating a, a highly processed vegetarian vegan diet, staying out of the sun, um, and not understanding. You know, you said some profound stuff. It's not just the light into your eyes that sets your circadian clock. The, the science is, is really irrefutable, but even the skin around your eyes is sensitive to the different lighting conditions and is a signal. And it was recording how much sunlight that you're getting so that you can reverse the damage of the sun with melatonin. You have to think of it this, this way is that animals evolved here on this planet under these conditions where there's a 24 hour cycle, half the day, half is day and half is night. So all life that exists here 
is was really created in that system. And, and understanding or trying to cut ourselves off from that is really dangerous. The good news is that, you know, it's not sunny every day and it can be cloudy. So you don't have to be in the sun all the time. But if you don't live in a specific latitude or climate, you do need to do active, you, you need to actively make changes in your life to stay healthy. You know, and if we looked 200 years ago, you wouldn't need to do this. The Inuit of the North are eating fatty fish. They're out in the summer when there is sun. Um, so when we followed our ancestral, more hunter-gatherer ways, we were really receiving a lot of the health benefits of our environment without knowing it. Modern living, the advent of the electric light bulb, farming, processed foods, all these things are profoundly affecting our health, and we need to work around those. So the basic answer is yes, if you live in a, war a warmer southern climate and you go outside more, you're going to be healthier because sunlight is so profoundly woven into who we are as human animals. So where is the line between sun phobic and skin damage, if you understand the question? Well, okay, so it's going to open a couple of other cans of worms. And I really want to make it clear. One of my favorite things to say is just because everybody believes something that doesn't make it true. It applies with red meat. Everyone believes red meat causes cancer and is unhealthy. It's the healthiest food that you can eat. Everyone thinks that the sun causes cancer. And my patients, again, they'll say, oh, I, I avoid the sun because my uncle had melanoma. Cancer had, may have a genetic component, but it's environmental. And if melanoma were caused by too much sun exposure, we would see it on people's noses, on their lower lip, on their ears, and on their head, just like we see the two other types of cancer, squamous cell carcinoma and basal cell carcinoma. Those are the cancers that are proposed, pr proposed to be from too much uh, sunlight, and technically they are. You know, there's some talk about whether you, you get burnt when you're a child, whether that causes the initial damage, but we need to think about what cancer is and how it progresses. So the first comment that I want to say is that melanoma itself is not caused by too much sunlight. It's caused by too little, literally. Almost every cancer has a vitamin D deficiency component. Everyone. The second part of that is if you had maintained a vitamin D level up in the evolutionary range over 50 or 60 nanograms per milliliter your entire life, would you develop those cosmetic skin cancers of squamous cell carcinoma and basal cell carcinoma? My suspicion is no. Um, there's a lot of evidence showing that vitamin D levels that are higher are extremely protective against cancer, period. Mother Nature would have never created a, a, a human animal that couldn't be in the sun. Um, one, of, one of the things that kind of gets me laughing is that when people, these researchers are, and especially the, the Western medical paradigm, they talk about, there was a, I read a, an article about this guy was, was, he was afraid that people who spent too much time in the sun would absorb too much calcium and their organ, organs would become calcified because his thinking was vitamin D makes you absorb calcium. If you're in the sun too much, you get too much vitamin D, you'll have too much calcium in your, in your body. I call that non-scientific extrapolation. And it's just nonsense. It's the same thinking that brought us the paradigm that if you eat eggs and cheese and meat and fatty foods that are high in cholesterol, that cholesterol will go into your arteries and clog them. That is non-scientific extrapolation and it's dangerous disinformation and nonsense. So for yourself, you know, I just, just, um, I just moved here from Atlanta. I was in Atlanta for 25 years and I, I've always had this vision of, you know, sort of like living in the Sunkiss commercial, you know? Um, and so I took up surfing and I'm 54 years old. And, you know, 
first of all, that's an unbelievable experience just to be in the water. It's, you know, I do it right, right near you at uh, El Porto. Oh, it's, right. uh, I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal. I can't stand up on the damn thing yet, but I'm having a great time, right? The question that I have though is being out there and, may, and maybe you just answered it, but being out there, you know, sort of where that, you know, that direct sunlight is hitting the water and me, you know, I'm just trying to figure out where that line is of covering myself so that I don't get burnt as well as, you know, making sure that I do get the vitamin D because, you know, we have this little thing right now that's, uh, that's uh, that's going around. They call a Corona, and there's a lot of evidence to show that vitamin D is has a direct link there. So you know maybe you can sort of like go in that direction because I I know that there's all sorts of misinformation about what vitamin D can do as it relates to Corona. And I don't know if this is outside of your scope or not, but I, I figured I'd give you a shot. Yeah, no, absolutely. So the first thing is we've all heard of biohacking. This is kind of a, a new catchphrase. And all biohacking is, is doing activities or different things that you believe are going to help you with your health. So I call surfers accidental biohackers. They have by accident put themselves in the absolute best place to be receiving the inputs from mother nature. So I call it multi-hacking. So when you're in the ocean, you're getting the absorption of sulfur and um, magnesium through the ocean water, you get transdermal absorbance. So you don't have to take any supplements. You're getting the electron flow from the Schumann resonance. And that is the electromagnetic radiation of the earth is coming up through the ocean. And salt water is a profound way to receive that. Your entire body is immersed in this. And you're really getting that negative charge. And I like to tell people a negative is a positive. The more negatively charged your body is, the healthier that you are. Now you're out there in the waves or so using your entire body so you're literally stressing yourself in a way that's very different than going to the gym. You're using every bit of your musculature. And then the last component is if it's warm enough, you could be also getting sunlight at the same time. So, to, so that's sort of the basis. The surfing is one of the healthiest activities, even if you're just on a boogie board. That's why, you know, when you go to the beach and if you walk along the ocean, you usually feel pretty great at the end of the day. And this is how we used to live. A lot of humanity evolved along the coast. And so these are the sensory inputs that were instrumental in our health. These are the things that we need to bring back into our lives. Now, when it comes to sun, I want you to think about what's happened over the last 30 years with fitness. 30 years ago, a little bit more, I remember the fitness craze started. It was the end of the, it was the end of the 70s, early 80s. And everyone started to think about exercise. And we started thinking about weightlifting, um, aerobics, and all this different stuff. Now, over the last 30 years, there's a heck of a lot of information out there about what exercises is right and how to train and what supplements to take. The exact same thing applies to sunlight. You need to understand that there is no one-size-fits-all answer when it comes to sun exposure. It depends on who you are, your skin tone, your latitude, your elevation, your previous sun exposure, what foods you eat, and what supplements you take. Because we have a profound protection system against burning, but Nobody's studying it. I found the scientists and I've interviewed them. And this is the information that I presented in my book. It's the information that you can't just say, okay, go in the sun, don't go in the sun. If you want to be the safest, you can always cover your face. It's outside enough. You could expose yourself at noon for 20 minutes as, you know, with as little clothing as possible. You know, that's going to give you some vitamin D. It's going to do some other things. But, you know, 
you have to understand that that you know humans who live out in the wild without clothing, you know their vitamin D level would drop in the winter and it would rise in the summer, and you can store up vitamin D. That's how important it is. And the evolution of white skin actually occurred because vitamin D is so profound that the further north that you go, the lighter the skin tone that you need to take in the sun's radiation. And you can easily just in your mind imagine people in Iceland and what their complexion looks like, and people in Central Africa or Northern Australia. These are the places where the Aboriginal people have the darkest skin, is the most UVB radiation. And the places where there's the least UV radiation, the people have the lightest skin. That's natural selection at its finest. It's not evolution, it's natural selection. Um, the environment has selected for lighter skin. And that's how profound vitamin D is. You take a dark skin uh, person, it doesn't matter where they're from, and you put them in Iceland, unless they have supplementation or spend the entire summer mostly naked out in the sun, they're going to be vitamin D deficient because their skin is too dark. The melanin is blocking the sun's ability to make vitamin D in their skin. So um, I'll, I'll sort of tie this together and explain what. So what's what's the big deal? Why is vitamin D? Why are you hearing about this? Why does Anthony Fauci take vitamin D? And again, this is the story that I'm exposing in my book because we have literally been duped. Big Pharma has hidden a major aspect of our health, and that is related to our natural, what we're supposed to be receiving as sensory inputs. So vitamin D is not a vitamin, it's a hormone, but it's not even really a hormone. I call it a metabolic hormone. And I actually consider it to be a fuel source in our bodies because you breathe air, you drink water, you eat food, but you need sunlight. Without sunlight, you cannot be healthy. And so you cannot get vitamin D. You can only get it from food. And to get it from food, you have to be eating whale blubber in the middle of winter to have that higher vitamin D level. So it's doable. So um, vitamin D regulates our gut microbiome. Now, for anyone who's... I'm sure everyone's heard this by now. That's why people are taking probiotics. They want to have a healthy gut microbiome. Why is that so important? Well, our gut microbiome is like a completely standalone organ. It's almost as big as your brain. And I think it's almost as important. And this is supposed to be your seasonal adaptation organ. Now, in the summer, when you have a high vitamin D level, the gut lining itself will regulate the types of bacterial species that predominate. In the winter, when the vitamin D level is low, the type of microbes that overgrow are the ones that favor fat storage. They make you hungry. And this was an evolutionary advantage to our ancestors who in times of low sunlight or winter would be hungry, they'd store fat, they'd be looking for food, they'd be powering down all of their non-essential functions. And this whole idea of summer and winter and seasons, this is instrumental to who we are as hunter-gatherers. So not understanding that this sunlight on our body, now if sunlight makes so much more than vitamin D, vitamin D is just one of the critical chemicals that we're supposed to make in sunlight. And for anyone who wants to understand the sort of what's going on, is that cholesterol in your skin is transformed into vitamin D by UVB radiation or ultraviolet radiation in the B range, very narrow range of 280 to 315 nanometers. And this is very specific radiation that will cause that reaction. All other light has reactions in your body. We are literally sensors for the environment and sunlight affects us profoundly in many different ways. So I guess... You know, I, I pulled this bottle out. I got this vitamin D3. 
Did I do the right thing? Is this uh, what I need? What's the dose on it? It is 360 caplets of 25 uh, MCGs. Okay. So the, the, that's just one of the confusing things about vitamin D that, you know, they're, they're naming it micrograms. You want to be taking, so basically vitamin D is bought in international units. A very easy rule of thumb is 1,000 international units per 25 pounds. That's a really good dose of what you'll need on a daily basis to maintain a, a good vitamin D level. So um, most of my uh, adult patients, a man, I recommend 8,000 IU in vitamin D when they're not in the sun a lot, women 5,000. And it depends on your body size. It depends on your fat content because vitamin D gets spread out and diffuses throughout the body. So if you're heavier and you have more body fat, you're going to need a higher dose. Now, the dose is completely different than the level in your body, which is measured by your doctor. All right. There's so many confusing things about this. So um, what you have is as 2,500 international units, I believe. No, you've got. Um, no, I have a, I have a thousand. So it's a thousand IU. Okay. Yeah. So most people take a thousand IU, or they take it, um, what's in their multivitamin, which is 600 IU. And if you Google a multivitamin or 600 IU, that's the RDA. That is the recommended daily allowance of vitamin D but it's very low. And that's, that, that amount will prevent rickets. It's a very low amount. So this is just so confusing. So most people will buy 1,000 IU and they'll even be nervous because they'll say 600 in my multivitamin, 1,000 in the supplement. Now I'm getting worried. Yep. You, you know, and, and just I want people to know there's never been a documented case that I've been aware of in modern times of anyone dying from vitamin D deficiency. Even people who've been taking millions of, of units Nobody dies from this. You can get very sick. You mean, nobody, you mean nobody dies from an overdose of vitamin Correct. D? Correct. Okay. Millions of people die every day from too little vitamin D. And that's what people really, really need to understand. All right. So let's say, you know, I'm a, I'm a 54-year-old, 160-pound guy. I'm taking 1,000 IUs a day. If I really want to be doing the best I can for myself, based on your research, if you had to... You know, pick a number. Where would you, where would you put me to take? Um, how, what's your sun exposure like? Do you go out between ten every and three day and expose? I work out on the beach because uh, every all the gyms are closed. Right. So I work out um, on the beach um, for probably an hour and a half, maybe two hours, and then I spend another uh, hour doing fun stuff like skateboarding or surfing. So I would say seven days a week, I'm getting three hours of very consistent Hermosa sun. Are you wearing sunscreen? I am. I, that's, that's the piece that I'm really confused about because I got this uh, Neutrogena 30 that I'm spraying my, my whole body from top to bottom with, and I'm wearing a Neutrogena 70 on my face. Yeah. So I'm on, can I ask you a couple of questions? Yeah. No, this is, help, this is helpful for people. So yeah. Sure. Have you ever had a vitamin D test? Never. I don't even know how to do that. Do I just go to an MD and say, take my blood? Well, so the first thing I just want to say is that you're not going to find anyone on this planet with a vitamin D level of 40 or 50 in cancer. You're not going to find that. When I started doing this research, I was so shocked that my doctor had never tested me in my entire life. And this was only five years ago. So what I want people to understand is that your doctor has been brainwashed not to care about this vitamin, but you should not listen to your doctor. If your doctor knew what vitamin D was, they would have already tested you and they would already have recommended a specific dose, not a prescription, 50,000 IU to fix your deficiency. 
but they will be managing this. When I, when I discovered this, I was so upset that this is not being done. And in my community, my doctors, I reached out to them. Now they're all starting to recommend supplementation because Bauchi is doing it. But at that time, five years ago, I was a renegade. When my, when my team go to get tested, I, I recommend everyone get tested a couple of times a year. They'd say, oh, you, you can't have another test and say, well, I want one. They say, oh, we know, we know which doctor you work for. So I'm even known in this community as being this crazy person who makes people test for vitamin D. Once you understand what vitamin D does in your body, you'll want to test yourself frequently. It's the most important test. I don't care about my cholesterol level if I don't know my vitamin D. I'm not interested. So I um, the next question to you is, do you clench and grind your teeth? No. Okay. How's your sleep? Well, I, I wear a whoop watch. Yeah. Are you familiar with whoop? Uh, um, I see it, yeah. It's basically a, you know, a wearable, like a Fitbit, um, measures HRV and uh, among many other things, it measures uh, sleep. So um, each night when I wake up in the morning, I take a look at it and I got, I can tell you exactly, so we're not guessing. Last night, I got uh, seven hours and 41 minutes of sleep. I was awake for 26 of those. I was in light REM for two hours and 37 minutes. I was in the next stage of REM for three hours and 17, and I was in slow wave sleep deep for an hour and 21. Now, prior to me getting testosterone injections, which I did six months ago, bioidentical uh, testosterone, not an anabolic steroid, my deep sleep was 10 minutes a night. Once I started taking testosterone, it went to one to two hours a night. So now it's good, but prior to that, it wasn't. Okay. Um, do you snore at all? Um, I say no. My wife says yes. <laughs> okay. And, and the next question is, what type of diet have you been following for the past six months? The past six is fasting till noon, eating a couple of eggs uh, and, uh, and toast uh, two hours later, a protein shake, two hours later, a creation um, meal, two hours later, another protein shake. And then dinner is usually uh, a protein and some veggies, salmon, steak, something like that. Okay. Um, have you ever had any uh, eczema, psoriasis, that type of stuff? I've never, but my mom has psoriasis. Okay. Um, so I would be suspicious that your level is still low, even though you are not displaying the typical signs. It'd be, I'd be very curious to see what your level is because of the sunscreen use. There may be a good component of that as you may have sweated off enough of it and you spend enough time outside to still be making vitamin D. Sunscreen is very effective, but... Are you wearing sunscreen yourself when you go to the beach? Not a lick, nothing. No. Wow. Well, and, and again, so I don't want people to go out without sunscreen. I don't want people to go and fry themselves and burn themselves. I want you to understand, just like exercise physiology and understanding... Uh, somebody who has no idea how to work out shouldn't go to the gym and, and bench press, try and bench press 300 pounds. There's an incredible amount of knowledge and understanding that you need to build into your sun exposure. Now, uh, as the season changes and there's less sunlight, I have a day job. If I'm not able to get sunlight on a regular basis and then I go out on the weekend, I will burn. So I don't want to do that. But I do other things, um, including maintaining a base tan, getting good sun exposure. I supplement sulfur. And this is something, basically MSM. Um, MSM is a supplement that's been around forever. And this is a sulfur supplement. Most of the sulfur in our diet has been removed by 
modern farming and processed foods. So I supplement sulfur and I do that on a regular basis because there's a specific reaction that happens in your body. And this is one of my, you'll see my, my cartoon characters behind me. One of my characters is called Enos and he is, is, is endothelial nitric oxide synthase. And we call him Enos. And you made, you made him Greek too. What's that? I said, you made him Greek. Well, how, how so? Uh, well, any, any, any name that ends in a vowel and an S uh, typically is great. Oh, Pop- okay, cool. Papadopoulos, Acropolis, you know, things like that. Right. That's funny. Well, it, it, the NOS stands for nitric oxide synthase. So it, it's cool. So um, th- he's the star of my show because this is an enzyme that everyone knows makes nitric oxide. And that's when you go in the sun, your blood, will, your blood vessels will literally dilate out towards the sun because your blood is getting charged with that sunlight. Um, But the other reaction that this enzyme does is it makes something called cholesterol sulfate. Now, cholesterol sulfate is not known. That's a collaboration of two of my characters, cholesterol and sulfur. And I have my cholesterol characters, Kathy Cholesterol. And in my book and in your life and in your body, cholesterol is a hero, not a villain. Cholesterol is what makes animals, animals, and different from plants. Cholesterol is your body's starter molecule, all your cell membranes, your nerves, most of your brain. It's just load, your body's loaded with cholesterol. It's really the most important molecule. Now, cholesterol is your repair molecule. So if you have some damage to your tissue, your body's going to produce cholesterol if you're not eating it or get it from your food and it's going to ship it out in your blood to go to patch your tissues. If your body cannot get cholesterol where it needs to go, there's a major problem. You start to fall apart. So this reaction of sulfur and cholesterol be joined together is one of the most important reactions because it is, doesn't just create this, this collaboration of these two molecules. It actually takes cholesterol, which is hydrophobic. It's terrified of water. And it connects it to sulfur, which is hydrophilic, loves water, and they become amphilic. And I have sulfur as he's the transporter because all of your hydrophobic molecules testosterone, estrogen, cholesterol need to get into your blood. So your body wants to join it to sulfur so that this can go into your blood. And literally, as this sulfur and cholesterol collaboration gets pumped around through your blood vessels, it gets squeezed into your tissue and the cholesterol will scooch into your cell membrane where it's a major part of, and the sulfur will stay in the blood vessel to create a thick layer of gelled water. So this is one of the most important reactions. It decreases your blood pressure. It allows your red blood cells to flow smoothly. But from a completely different perspective, this reaction, cholesterol sulfate, is required to be happening in your skin to create a protective cross-mesh barrier that diffuses sunlight. And so- Sorry, Doc, you mentioned mentioned MSM. So the sulfur is that- is the name of the supplement sulfur with MSM or is it just MSM or? So it is MSM. It's, it's, it's just called, so if you go to Amazon, you're going to type in MSM. Correct. correct. Yeah. And, you can go to my website. I have a great, great brand of it, but yes, sulfur and MSM. This has been known to, to the naturopathic community for many years um, because sulfur is one of our essential elements. And, you know, it's required for all your collagen, for hair, skin, nails. It's so important. And, you know, I believe that it's being locked into the soil. It's not getting to our bodies as much. And this is what my researchers and scientists say. Um, I'm, a, I'm a dentist. I've been a dentist for 30 years, but I have experts that are on my website that are the scientists that found this. People aren't listening because 
um, you know, science and, and the pharmaceutical industry, this is all being obfuscated. This is being hidden. And no one's going to spend the money on researching this chemical reaction because there's no money to be made except, you know, I sell sulfur on my website. So people buy it. It's great. Um, I have it in capsules. Otherwise, you put it in water and have to drink it, which kind of tastes bad. It doesn't smell weird. But I supplement that. And there's so many things that sulfur does to protect you. It actually helps protect you from radiation damage. This is something that's been removed from our food chain. And this is a whole set of information that I haven't even brought out yet because I'm just trying to break through the vitamin D3, vitamin K2, and magnesium. That's the, just the tip of the iceberg as to what your doctor didn't learn about and doesn't know about. These natural chemicals, these natural minerals and supplements, this is how we stay healthy. And these things have literally been removed from our food chain by modern food processing, by big food and big agriculture. And they don't care. Big pharma is basically convincing doctors how to think, and they're not telling them the stuff that you need to stay healthy. Um, what most, of the, most of what doctors are saying, especially stay out of the sun and avoid red meat, this is completely wrong information. So one aspect of this is this sulfur component. So if you have the right amount of sulfur and you go in the sun, that's the last part of this. This enzyme, endothelial nitric oxide synthase or ENOS, it is powered by sunlight. So enzymes are the worker bees of your biology. They do reactions all over your biology. You've heard of glutathione. You've heard of superoxide dismutase. You've heard of lactase. Lactase is an enzyme that breaks down lactose. So enzymes, they create reactions. Sometimes enzymes need cofactors. They'll need something to turn that enzyme on. And in the case of endothelial nitric oxide synthase or ENOS, the cofactor is sunlight. So this enzyme is powered by sunlight. And this is not being you know, talked about. I, I, um, one of my experts calls you know, Enos the moonlighting enzyme because its day job is to make nitric oxide, but its secondary job, maybe more important, is to create this reaction that joins sulfur to cholesterol and other steroid hormones. So this is um, a major missing part. Isn't it? And imagine if your body can't ship out cholesterol to where it needs to go, it's going to package it into boats. And those boats are HDLs and LDLs. And that's how your body will transport different stuff around because those sex hormones and cholesterol, these are hydrophobic. They're afraid of water. And that's why I have my whole comic book stuff is because this is confusing stuff. So we have sulfur is the king of the hydrophiles. Cholesterol is the queen of the hydrophobes. They get together under the power of sunlight. Love the, uh, I love the comic book idea. It reminds me of um, School Rock. Like, uh, yeah. you know, I'm just a Bill, that, that kind of, you remember that That's when it. you were a kid? Yep. It's, it's, it, well, you can't, I mean, I'm, you know, that was 50 years ago and I still remember the damn thing. Yeah. Your sulfur MSM or your MSM recommendation, how do people know how much to take and what do you recommend for the average adult? If there um, is a I recommend, it, so I believe it, it's, it's by grams. I recommend like four to seven grams a day um, I have mine in capsules. I take at least four capsules every morning. If I'm going to be out in the sun later in the day, I may take four more. And um, it just sort of depends on your dose. There's dosing instructions on it by body weight. And it's not doesn't need to be taken every day, but I try and take it every day if possible. Most of my patients who take it notice that their hair is stronger, their nails grow faster, um, skin heals faster. And a lot, uh, and this is a, an unusual one, and it, it makes sense to me, a lot of my male patients who started taking sulfur started experiencing morning erections, which was um, something they hadn't experienced in a while. Now, if you take sulfur and well, what is it doing? Um, I believe it's clearing away the, the lack of blood flow, the calcium buildup in your arteries. 
It may even take cholesterol out of your arteries. There's lots of science that no one's digging into, but the studies are there. So I've done a lot of the research on this, and that's how I'm presenting this. And when you know, I, I, I released my ebook, so that's available for download on my website if you sign up for my book. I have a couple of books, so this is a, a, an ebook preview, and it'll show you sort of the real estate that I've staked out. I don't have a lot of sulfur information in there, but you will see the different characters that I'm introducing. My goal is to share this information through all these different media um, channels, through YouTube, cartoons. I have my, my first animation is just about ready. It will be available. And it's actually where endothelium, where Eno sings. And um, the song is, is about sunlight. And so, um, you know, these are just really simple concepts to, to get your mind around. But please look forward to my actual book that will go through what cholesterol sulfate is with scientific citations. And these are already available. If you go to my podcast, or my YouTube channel, and you listen to some of my tribal elders, there's one in particular. Her name is Stephanie Seneff, and she is a genius. I love her. She's one of the only sane voices talking about her health. And it's weird because no one else can get their word out there. She can because this information is bad news to medical doctors who want to put this out there because they'll be called quacks. Stephanie Seneff has been called a quack, and I prefer to be called a quack. I'm into vitamins. I'm a vitamin quack. I like it. Understand that all science that you see, all the studies, all the universities, all the medical schools, these are profoundly influenced by big pharma. They are not interested in showing you the simple minerals and chemicals that can keep you healthy. They are not required to. They have not sworn an oath to do no harm. Doctors have. Doctors are brainwashed into believing the system that we have. Doctors are good, smart, hardworking people. If I get hit by a bus, I want the finest Western doctor to put me back together. But when it comes to my health, their advice is flat out wrong. Grains are unhealthy. There are no heart healthy grains. It's just not true. So people need to be understanding that some of what I say may sound outrageous, but it doesn't matter. The science is there. I bring this down. And what I did in my book is I tried to, to clarify the science by showing you the structure of our bodies and how the chemicals work so that you don't need a single randomized control study. You don't need all these scientific studies that no one's going to do because these are not funded because they're not going to make people money. But you don't need that. Once you understand what your body's doing, you can put these pieces together as I've done in my book. And I've tried to keep it simple so that people could say, okay, well, I don't care about enzymes. And you know, that's why I made them cartoon characters. You should care about enzymes. They're important. These, this is the future of how your body works. Understanding yeah. what enzymes do. Yeah, you've got to follow the money. There's no question about it. I interviewed somebody who's uh, uh, into um, uh, pharmaceutical. He's in the pharmaceutical world. And he said, you know, typically we'll see that, you know, when something is announced, you know, like a flu season or something happens, like I could pretty much predict what our sales are going to look like. So I figured that when hydroxychloroquine came out as it relates to COVID, that people were going to go nuts because it, you know, uh, it, it has good results in the field of, of, uh, of helping. Nothing. And he said, I, I really thought about it. And I was like, why are there no sales? He said, because the patent ran out and there's no money in selling it. So of course there isn't any. So to your point. Um, okay. So um, a couple more areas I want to cover with you fairly quickly as we wrap. Um, I want to talk to you about your experience five years ago when you were at a conference in Vegas uh, and you discovered sort of by dumb luck um, that you had sleep apnea. Can you tell us a little bit more about that portion of your story and how that set the wheels in motion to, uh, to manage that? Sure. Well, everyone, everyone's heard of sleep apnea and everyone thinks they know all about it. They don't have it, not them. 
and that it's caused by obesity. This is your fault. You let yourself go. You're a terrible person. And your big fat chin is making, is crushing your airway. This is nonsense. Sleep apnea is a neurological condition that causes obesity. It doesn't result. Now, if you have apnea and you put on a lot of weight, it's going to amplify the syndrome. There's no doubt. But this, I have young, fit patients. I have elite athletes who have terrible apnea. It's very common in people who have um, utilized uh, steroids in the past because steroids will lower your vitamin D. So a lot of fitness people who have experimented in that world, they already have apnea. So that's the given. So the idea that, that people aren't getting a sleep study on a regular basis or when you turn 50, when you turn 40, this is dangerous. I wasn't thinking about any, any of this because I was just like everybody saying, well, I'm not going to wear that mask thing and I'm fine. You know, I sleep great. I can fall asleep anywhere. So I did a sleep study out of curiosity, um, along with five other dentists. Of the five dentists, three of us had apnea. Mine was bad. The other two were you know, moderate. And we were all sort of surprised. We were all relatively fit. And um, at that conference, there was a conference in Las Vegas, and it just changed my perspective. And at the end of that conference, I looked around and I realized that so many more people had this. This was happening to so many people around the world. And that this was not on people's radar because number one, what are you going to do? This is a chronic disease that you can't, you can't do anything about it. Now you got to wear this mask that your, your spouse doesn't want this machine. You know, this is not the, this is not the kind of cool cyborg I want to be when I, you know, when the future comes. So I started to investigate, well, I'm not that fat. I don't get this. What's going on? And I very quickly found a woman by the name of Dr. Stasha Gomenap, who's a neurologist who 10 years ago said, Hey guys, sleep apnea is related to vitamin D deficiency. And she was very clear about it. So I investigated her paradigm. I contacted her. And that's when I discovered myself that I was vitamin D deficient. When I raised my vitamin D level, which had never been measured from below 20 nanograms per milliliter, which is the measurement in the US, to up to 80, my Crohn's disease disappeared. I lost 10 pounds. My anxiety and depression disappeared. I had restored my gut microbiome and I felt like a completely different person. I had never felt that happy or comfortable in my entire life. Now, I still have apnea. It's quite mild now, but this is not what people think. This is a, a neurological condition that's caused by damage to the brainstem, the part of the brain that regulates sleep and breathing. And this is a reversible preventable syndrome. So to anyone who is in a perfect health, get a sleep study if you're over 40, get a vitamin D test, start supplementing. This is critical. And I want to bring this back to the coronavirus. The coronavirus is not cured by vitamin D. It is not caused by vitamin D deficiency. Vitamin D regulates multiple different aspects of our immune system, the innate immune system. It regulates the gut microbiome, which is a massive part of our immune system. And even the cells of your lung, when they don't have enough vitamin D, they cannot fight off the coronavirus. So if I'm in a room with somebody who's a super spreader, and I have a D level up over 50 or 60, and someone else doesn't, I may walk out of that room and never have a symptom, never have gotten COVID. And that other person who has a low level, they will be breathing it in. And even the lining of their lungs will not be able to fight off that viral infection. The lining of my lungs is producing antimicrobial proteins that will kill COVID on contact. So having a high vitamin D level will help to bolster your own immune system on every level so that if you become exposed to it, you may get it and not feel it. And it makes sense when you hear people say, oh, I barely felt that even though I had it. And some people are hospitalized and die. The data is out there. I have these studies on my website. The protective level is 30 and higher. People who had levels below 30, for the most part, did poorly with the coronavirus. 
People who had even lower levels, they're the ones who died. People who have levels well up over 30, I like the level of 50. That's what I tell my patients. Keep a level over 50 because this is protective, not just against the coronavirus, all viruses, bacterial infections, and cancer. So the simplest, cheapest thing we could all do, especially now in the Northern Hemisphere, is supplement our vitamin D and raise the level, get a test, order one online, start to track your vitamin D level. I believe it is the most important level in the world because it doesn't matter what you Google, anything related to vitamin D, when your D level is low and you raise it, that chemical changes. Vitamin D regulates your telomere length. Your telomeres are the little clips on the end of your chromosomes. And vitamin D regulates how healthy those little clips are because vitamin D regulates the production of enzymes and the enzyme called telomerase will repair your telomeres. And this happens because vitamin D isn't a vitamin. It's a messenger molecule that goes to your DNA and asks your own DNA to make specific chemicals. A lot of those chemicals are enzymes. So it will upregulate the production of enzymes and your body makes anti-inflammatory enzymes that are much more powerful than drinking blueberry juice or whatever. Um, your body has these powerful systems of antioxidants, and they're really regulated by vitamin D. That's how critical it is to us. Are you doing vitamin D tests in your office for people that live in Southern California? So I'm not. So at this moment in time, vitamin D testing still requires either a blood draw or a puncture. So with my apnea patients, I will if if they do my sleep package. I will test their vitamin D with a blood spot. Um, I haven't taken blood in over 30 years, so I don't really want to get into I get it. it. People don't like going to the dentist as it is, but um, you can order a test. You can get it you know, from, from, your, um, from your doctor. You can request it, but I have a, a, an in-office system where I can get an immediate level. I'm still playing with it. I don't, I don't know how reliable it is, but I'm working with, you know, I, I'm trying to work with companies that, that can do testing. So, okay, um, sounds- yeah, I wish that I could test it instantly in my office. That's okay. Um, as we wrap, I'm going to ask you, the show is Work Hard, Play Hard. So we talked about your work. We're going to talk a little bit about your play now. Um, so I'm going to ask you some questions that are uh, probably going to be a little random and going to be like, why the hell is he asking me this? No Just problem. roll with it. What is the one rule that you have for yourself that you're never going to break? Um, spend as much time outside as possible. What new behavior or habit has most improved your life? Vitamin D sufficiency and leading to more, more towards a, a grass-fed carnivore diet, more red. What's an unusual or an absurd thing that you love? Um, learning that our bodies work so differently. I do a lot of five-day fasting. I, I believe in feasting and fasting. Our bodies are designed to regenerate. So I've had my mind blown by you know being fat. Most of my life, I had stretch marks. And every time I do a five-day fast, those things disappear. So the regeneration of our bodies is incredible. That, that's to me, is mind-blowing. If you could spend one month anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Uh, somewhere like Hawaii or somewhere in the tropics because I love fresh seafood, especially lobster, shrimp, any of that stuff. I like warm weather and I want to wear as little clothing as possible. <laughs> I know. Especially when you live here, you just get, you can't, you can't do it anywhere else. Right. Um, are there any, are there any uh, positions or opinions in the last few years, or it could be way back, doesn't have to be in the last few years, that you've changed your mind substantially? You've changed, you know, I used to think this, but I was wrong. Now I think this. Very simply, I used to follow what's in the media, eating small meals throughout the day to stoke my metabolism, having lots of 
vegetables, um, cutting out red meat, increasing lean meats, and then exercising for a long time in the gym. All of that is absolute nonsense. I've never been so fit and healthy as I have been for understanding that limiting the eating window, I eat one meal a day and I really enjoy it. I spend very little time exercising. I spend a lot of time walking, hiking, um, sprinting, um, doing push-ups, all that natural stuff. And if I could go back and reclaim all of those years that I wasted my time, 9 p.m. at the gym, trying to beat the fat off of my body by saying, I can do this, I have willpower. I wish I could have those hours back. And to anyone who's still following that paradigm, it's completely wrong. So I've had my mind completely changed and though, just because everybody believes something, that really doesn't make it true. The real truth is that if you give your body the right sensory inputs, you're going to be healthier just naturally. The things that people are doing, it's erroneous. It's wrong. It's wrong and bad advice. So you're down to one meal a day. Wow. How, how much of a challenge has that been behaviorally for you? In other words, you go out to dinner with some friends or, you know, hey, I'll meet you for some wine or like, how, how you manage in that? Well, so first of all, I do drink alcohol. I like to stick to imported wines because I'm worried about glyphosate, which is, you know, in, in a lot of our foods. It works very well. Um, almost everyone that I know in my circle understands this, this method of eating. I live on the west side of Los Angeles. And um, if it's perfectly, I, I, I love it because I, I will do, I'll skip eating for an entire day. It sounds insane. The first time I did a, a three-day fast, I thought I was going to die. I just finished my 25th five-day fast and I barely ate anything. I exercised every day and I felt great. It's just a different way to think. You can easily fit it in. It's hard now. The restaurant, you have to know what to order and what to eat, but it's completely doable. I'm out there trying to make it easier, working with a private chef to be able to provide foods that are high in the things that I want. It's very hard to find what I'm looking for, but it's completely doable. And it's nice now because in LA... All the restaurants are outside now, so you can spend more, more quality time. I want to have my meal between four and six, ideally. And I like the way the world's changed. I used to have late hours at the office. I'm in bed by 10, 10.30. I want to follow the cycle of the sun. So I love to have my, my only meal, like I said, four to six. And I like to eat. I, I don't limit what I eat. I eat until I feel completely satiated. And um, I try and stick to you know, seafood and, and unprocessed foods, grass-fed meats and you no, know, meats are so healthy for you that even if you can't find grass-fed, it's still worth eating. Well, you are an interesting dude. There's no question about it. You have a lot of passion for what you do, and that comes through. We, we will link up everything that you've referenced. I have uh, two more pages of questions that I haven't gotten to, but that'll maybe be a part, a part two. Sure. And um, we will link up to, uh, to your website and to your book and your cartoon and everything that you're up to, as well as your Instagram handle. So last question, let's change it up a little bit. What one question would you like to ask me? What, uh, what made you move to California? No bugs, no humidity, blue skies, 70-ish all year round, and an ocean. That's, that's the secret. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the most civilized place to live. You can live all year round. It's, it's, it's great. It's one of the best places on the planet. Absolutely. It's perfect, brother. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. And uh, we will, uh, like I said, we'll make sure we get everything linked up and we'll uh, we'll spread the word because we all need some help right now. And I'll see you, probably see you around town now that I know, I, now that I know you're local. I bet, I bet, I bet we will. All right. Thanks, Doc. I appreciate it. Thank you. 
All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.